Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, Building Faith and Friendship. Our reading now this morning continues from the story of Peter and John that we had earlier for the children. Um, After that amazing act of healing, Peter and John took their opportunity to speak to the crowds of people that were in the outer courts of the temple. And the priests and the temple guard and the Sadducees were not happy. And so Peter and John were arrested and they were put in jail for the night. And our reading begins in Acts chapter 4 at verse 5. The next day, the rulers, the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. And so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness, shown to a man who was lame, and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name in heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note they recognized that these men had been with Jesus. Amen. Well, the the verse that I'm homing in on today is verse 13 of our reading. They recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And certain verses at certain times jump out at me. We call those verses a rima word. And this particular verse from our reading is one that's really been speaking to me this year. And in my translation, verse 13 says, they recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And we've already heard the background to this verse, which actually starts in Acts chapter 3, the account of Peter and John healing the lame man. And just in that little part, I love the fact that his first instinct, having been healed, was to go straight into the temple. He didn't go back home to tell his family. He didn't go out into the streets. His first thought was to go into the temple and give thanks to God. And the people there in the outer courts of the temple the crowds that were, that were flocking there 
were amazed to see what had happened to him. And Peter seized that opportunity and began to speak. And going on from that little story, we read, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. And he doesn't pull any punches. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power and godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus in doing this. This is the same Jesus that you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses to this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed, and you know how very crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. And he goes on to speak further about Jesus and the prophets, and he calls for repentance. But the temple authorities were disturbed by what they heard, and they came to arrest them and put them in jail overnight. But their preaching had hit home, and many people that day believed their message, bringing up to 5,000 the number of men who had become believers. And of course, that doesn't include women and children, because customary in those days, if the man of the household was a believer, then his whole household would come to the Lord. And then we had our bit of the reading, which comes next day, when they were brought before the most important religious leaders, who demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? And once again, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, declares that the man has been healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. And he continues to speak about Jesus, declaring that there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And verse 13 then says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And there it is, that significant verse. They recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So what was it about Peter and John that made them recognisable as those who had been with Jesus? That word recognised, which comes in the New Living Translation and in the Amplified Translation, comes from a root word which means being known by a distinguishing mark. There was something about Peter and John that stood out, that made them different. Now, this account became particularly significant for me on holiday this year. I prayed to have significant encounters while I was away. Sometimes holidays can be a pretty dry time spiritually, especially if you're away with a non-believer, which I was. And 
So I didn't have much time to go into the Word and do my Bible readings and so on. But I prayed for significant encounters. And I had one of these significant encounters to do with this verse. We were having breakfast in a hotel. And the waitress came to serve us and she said, Oh, I love your necklace. And it surprised me because I hadn't thought that I got one on. Because I had on this cross which is something that I've worn for many years, and I don't take it off. And so it doesn't really feel like a necklace to me. It's just something that I have. It's been part of me. And too late, because she was busy, I twigged that actually what she was talking about wasn't actually my necklace, but she was wanting to say, are you a Christian? And I missed that opportunity because she was too busy, and I didn't get a chance to speak to her after that. But, you know, I watched this lady as she was serving the guests and whizzing about in the busy room. And there was something about her that just shone Jesus. She was so lovely to everybody. She couldn't do enough for people. And her face shone with something other than a a smile which she had to put on for work. There was something lovely about her. She didn't wear a cross. There was no visible sign that she was a Christian, but she just demonstrated Jesus. And I was really sorry that I didn't have a a chance to speak to her. And you know, that taught me a lesson. I don't wear my cross all the time now as a permanent fixture, because really, I want people to know that I'm a Christian, not because of what I wear, Not because I've got a t-shirt or a cross or earrings, but because it's apparent that I've been with Jesus. They recognize them as men who had been with Jesus. And there's a real challenge in that statement for us. Are we recognized as those who have been with Jesus? What are the marks of someone who has been with Jesus? If we have a look at Peter and John in this account, first of all, they have boldness. Certainly, Peter and John were bold. They weren't afraid to speak out. They'd spent three years in the presence of Jesus. They'd witnessed and they'd been through amazing things. They'd walked and talked with him. And now every time they had the opportunity, even and especially in front of important people, they spoke out about him. So they were bold. Secondly, they had authority. They spoke with all the authority of men who knew what they were talking about. And they had absolute conviction and trust in the power of Jesus. This power to heal was nothing to do with them and all to do with Jesus. They weren't clever, learned men, but they knew what they knew. They knew what they'd seen and they spoke with authority and conviction. And then they had eloquence. They had the right words to say. The Amplified Translation says, when they saw the boldness and unfettered eloquence. I love that, unfettered eloquence. Nothing holding them back. They opened their mouths and spoke. They knew them to be untrained, unlearned men, yet they spoke with unfettered eloquence. I had the privilege of being 
at a recognition service this week of a new Methodist local preacher. And to be accepted as a local preacher follows several years of of hard study, assignments, practical assessments and interviews. It's a lot of hard, dedicated work. But you know, Peter and John hadn't been on a training course in public speaking. They weren't qualified to preach. They hadn't studied theology for years. Yet when the opportunity came, they could speak with unfettered eloquence. And what they said had a powerful effect on the people who heard it. How? Because they allowed the Holy Spirit to speak through them. Verse 8 says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. They weren't afraid to speak out because they trusted in the Holy Spirit to give them the words. And then they had humility. This healing wasn't for their glory, it was for God's glory. And Peter and John gave all the glory to God for what had happened. When we have the opportunity to do things for others, to speak a word to someone, it's not for us, it's not for our glory, it's for God's glory. Humility is often seen in the world's eyes as a a weakness. We live in a culture, don't we, that wants to push forward, to be noticed. We live in a culture of celebrity worship, of self-promotion, a look-at-me society. Yet those who have truly been with Jesus seek only to promote him. I've been reading some Bible notes in Inspiring Women Every Day. I don't know if any of you read that one. But this last section has been focusing on a verse in Haggai, chapter 2. And it says, I will make you like a signet ring on my finger. And a signet ring, of course, is used to make a mark, an impression. And the whole month's readings have given a really thought-provoking and challenging study on how we are God's signet ring and what impression we leave on those who are around us. Now, signet rings have several uses, and the study enlarged on each different use. But one aspect of this talked about the signet ring being used as a mark of authenticity to show that something is the real thing. And it talked about how when we go shopping, we look at labels on clothes to check they're genuine, because there are a lot of fakes out there. If we buy jewellery, we'll look at the hallmark to prove it's real gold or real silver. On Antiques Roadshow, we look for signatures on paintings to prove their age and their provenance. And this is what this study said. It says, as the signet ring of God, we are his symbol, his mark, his seal, living proof, if you like, that God is the real thing. Over the years, I've had people tell me that God is dead. I've had people tell me that. Asleep, on holiday, or even just a figment of an an overactive imagination. I've had plenty of people tell me that. Praise God, however, that there are many historically documented testimonies in Scripture, and this account of Peter and John is one of them, of incidents that certainly contradict that statement. 
As the divine signet ring, we are his guarantee that he is very real and able to do all he claims in his word. When people look at us, what do they see? What do they hear? They should see evidence of lives that are set free and changed by his mighty supernatural power. They should see hearts that used to be broken and hurting, now being healed and made whole again. We are God's seal that he is at work amongst his people and still able to produce what he promises. So is that the impression that we are leaving for him in our community? What can we do to make it more likely that we can be seen as people who have been with Jesus. And quite simply, we have to spend time with him. Jesus is not an abstract concept. He is a living person through the Holy Spirit. And his purpose is to be with us, in us. He said in Matthew 28, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is his promise. But we have to take him up on his promise. We have to spend time with him. We have to take ourselves aside and spend time. Time reading the scriptures and thinking about what they say. And whether we do that through a Bible reading group, or we have a Bible study guide, or we work our way through a book, or a series of chapters, or just a psalm, God's word is a living thing. And it will work in our lives and give us understanding and revelation and bring us closer to Jesus. We know that Jesus himself took himself off the side to pray. And that praying is also something that we need to be doing. We need to spend time alone, just being with Jesus, not asking him for things, but worshipping him thanking him, talking to him as we would a dear friend. As we read scripture, we can pray out those verses. We can declare them out loud. And there's a power in speaking out scripture verses out loud. And if a particular verse seems to jump out at us, we can write it down. I like to use post-its and I stick it somewhere where I keep seeing it on my fridge sometimes. And then it goes in. The more we do that, the more these verses become embedded in us and the closer we come to Jesus. To be seen as those who have been with Jesus is a challenge. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So how much of the glory of God do we reflect? Do those around us see us as those who have been with Jesus? What impression do we leave with those we come into contact with? We sang that lovely hymn, Make Me Like a Precious Stone, Crystal Clear 
and finally honed. Light of Jesus shining through, bringing glory back to you. And Ephesians 4 speaks of throwing off our old sinful natures and instead allowing the Spirit to renew our thoughts and our attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy, writes Paul. How do we answer folk when they focus on all the doom and gloom and all the horror that's pervading the news these days? Do we agree with them? Or do we demonstrate that we have a God who is more than able, who is light in the darkness, who offers hope instead of despair? We've been looking for some time at that question, who is this guy, Jesus, and what it means to follow him? Coming together on a Sunday for worship is great, but to really get to know him, to have a relationship with him, rather than know about him, we have to spend time, time in his word, time alone with him, and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. So that's the challenge, to reflect Jesus to the world, to be known as men and women who have been with Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, your word is always challenging, but thank you that by your Holy Spirit working in us, you make us more and more like you. Thank you that you entrust your spirit to us. Would you make us willing to spend time at your feet so that we can learn and experience your very presence? Lord, we want to be known in our communities as men and women who have been with Jesus. We want to leave the impression of Jesus on every situation, every opportunity that you give us, so that people will know that you are the real thing. Guard our lips. Guard our actions, guide our ways, that we might become more and more like you. More of you, Lord Jesus, and less of ourselves, until only you are seen through us. May we be bold to take opportunities. May we speak and act with your authority. Would you give us the right words to say that will touch people's hearts? And may all the glory go to you, almighty God. In Jesus' name, amen.